You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I do so humbly apologize for missing yesterday. It's just one of those things. See, the problem is, this is what's upsetting. I'm trying to do something nice for myself. I'm like, you know what? It's the off-season. There's not that much to talk about. Just take a couple days off. It's not going to kill you. The problem is you sleep in on Saturday, you sleep on in on, you know, Sunday, then Sunday night you try to go to bed and it's like, well, I'm not tired. And then you stay up until 10 o'clock because you can't fall asleep. And then your kid starts screaming in the middle of the night and you got to go stumble out of your bed and step on all kinds of toys and everything else on the floor, tripping on yourself to go rectify that situation. And then you can't fall back asleep. And then when the three o'clock alarm hits, there's, there's nothing. There's just, there's nothing... Nothing there to even respond. 3 o'clock, 3.15, 3.30, 3.45. 4 o'clock, 4.10, 4.20, nothing. Just nothing. And so about 5.15, you wake up, sprint to whatever, and, you know, the whole thing. So I, I gotta, you know, I guess I gotta set an alarm on the weekends now so I don't get too comfortable. It's ridiculous. This, this, this life of mine is something else. Also, I tend to get sick if I sleep in too long. It's like I'm addicted to getting up early. It's crazy. I'm, I'm actually an addict to 3-ish, 4-ish in the morning. And if I don't get it, I get a migraine and, you know, it's actually probably the caffeine. But anyways, thank you all for joining me. I had someone in the Facebook group mention, well, it's no big deal. Just make it up Saturday. And at first I was like, ha good one. Then I was like, hey, it's, it's actually kind of reasonable. Problem is, we got plans this weekend. And, um... I'm going to bring the laptop, but I'm telling you, man, that thing is about as bad. The only thing that's worse than this laptop that I own, which is the kind of laptop where you go to Best Buy, you get the absolute cheapest one that they have, and it's two years later, you know, like like that, where it takes 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes to boot up, that kind of thing. The only thing worse is we found a webcam, and I'm working on getting YouTube fired up for... We'll call it the regular season, but I'm, I'm kind of, the way that I operate, I want it tomorrow. So I found a webcam, and I'm like, sweet, that'll save me some money. So I got that boy, bad boy hooked up. I'm telling you, I, I don't know why they even bothered to make webcams this bad. Apparently it's very old. It must have been my wife's or something. I never bought a webcam. It looks like a hostage video. I'm, I think I'm going to actually make videos with this because it's hilarious. It's, it's so bad, it's, it's kind of funny. So I might do some Green Bay Packers hostage videos, uh, you know, I don't know, just ridiculous. Life's kind of funny, man. It's just absurd all the time. So on the agenda today, uh, a couple different things. There's a little bit of news and notes. As usual, it is a little bit later, partly because of the sleeping thing, partly because I just uh, wasted too much time this morning. But I'm going to try to burn through that real quick because the, the meat that I want to get to is another one of those things you probably don't want to hear, but I want to explain it. It's one of those things that I've kind of just been saying in passing, 
and I really want to hammer the point because when I say it in passing, it's one of those things that you hear, more than likely, maybe not, some people out there hear and flinch and go, oh, why did he say that? That was dumb. What an idiot. I like the show. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's the, the highlight of my life. But that comment was trash. And whatever, whenever I do that, whenever I come across or just kind of graze over something and I, I get that little little thing in the back of my brain that says, nobody liked that sentence that you just said. My brain says, you know what we should do? We should do a whole episode on it and really just shove it down people's throats, kind of like the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. The other real negative thing is now I see that there's like Aaron Rodgers fights going on in the Facebook group and it's like, I didn't mean to raise an army to go in the group and just start bashing Aaron Rodgers in the face. That wasn't my intention. I was just trying to elaborate on on something I was thinking. I'm just thinking out loud here. It's all I'm doing. I'm, I promise. I'm not trying to start anything. But anyways, before we get that uh, long time coming, but thank you very much to John for jumping in on Patreon. I very much appreciate that support. If you wouldn't mind or if you'd like to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy or you can just go to Patreon and search or there are links also in the description. If you have an aversion to Patreon, there's plenty of ways to help. Whether that be financial, there's Venmo and Facebook and I've, I've had people do everything except show up to my house with five bucks and that's only because I refuse to give out my address. I've had other people help with leaving five-star reviews, telling friends and family, and a huge pile of other people that just reach out and they're like, how can I help you? And I try to give them something to do. And if you are ridiculously motivated, you end up like JJ, who's got his own little side gig. Just throwing out options, but again, thank you very much to everybody that helps in whatever way that you are or can. The amount of people that just want to do something is kind of crazy. But anyways, due to uh, that whole lack of time thing, why don't we take a break and uh, try to dive headfirst into this bad boy. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. All right, so let's start with the Cam Newton news. Now, if this was a show that was uh, more of a, I guess, NFL-based, we would spend a lot of time going over why Cam Newton is massively overrated. And it, it's funny because people are split on this. And it's it's also funny because it's if you go into the fantasy football community, Cam Newton is massively underrated. And I genuinely think that's where the, the confusion comes from. You have NFL people in fantasy community that don't really know kind of what they're doing, that look at Cam and go, eh, he's okay. His arm is not great, and he's constantly overthrowing guys. But he's a good runner, and he's, I mean, he's automatic when we're within five yards, he's just going to run it and score a touchdown. But as far as fantasy, he's been like a top three fantasy quarterback since all of eternity. Moses had him on his fantasy football team, and he won a lot. And fantasy guys are always like, dude, nobody ever respects Cam. But then you come into the just general NFL football community, and a lot of people are saying Cam Newton is one of the best and he doesn't get any respect. And it's like, no, he's not one of the best at all. By basically any metric anywhere. Again, we could go through the whole thing like with Aaron Rodgers. Show me a thing outside of his, what was it, 2015 season? That was a great year. Pick one other year in which Cam Newton was a great quarterback. And and generally, the only thing that you're going to hear from people, and, and this, is not tr- this is true of Cam and Aaron Rodgers and anybody else, is, well, if you had eyes and if you were watching, just watch him and you would see. That doesn't do anything. Because you have to watch him and all 32 quarterbacks and pretty much football for a good period of time to get a baseline for what a really good quarterback looks like and then compare them. And you know what ends up happening? Something happens statistically. There has to be some kind of a correlation. There's no way you're watching a great quarterback, but all the greatness is abstract. It doesn't translate into completions, yards, touchdowns, lack of interceptions. And if there was some kind of a nuance, it would generally be picked up by PFF because they pick up on all that, the, the precise accuracy of where the football was. You know, just because somebody caught it, maybe they got really good receivers, but the balls are all behind and way in front. Okay, PFF picks up on all that. They literally grade based on the placement of the ball. That's how accurate they are with their grading of quarterbacks. Cam Newton has never, aside from that one year, graded out as a decent, I mean, as a very good quarterback. I think one year in his career, he graded in the 80s. That's it. Aaron Rodgers and a lot of these other top-tier quarterbacks of 90s, several years. Cam Newton had one year in the 80s, maybe two years in the 70s, and the rest has all been 60s. He's a big dude, very strong, great runner, although PFF grades him as not a very good runner. I'm guessing that's compared to running backs. And so the bottom line is you got a guy that's older. You got a guy that's, I mean, a lot of people have told you, I've been saying this since day one, his attitude drives him nuts. And for me, it's been since day one. I mean, I remember when he was like a rookie in year two or whatever, he would sit on the sideline with a towel over his head, pouting. Add in just the general quirkiness, the fact that he thinks he's better than he is, that a lot of people think he's better than he is, the fact that he's, I think I said it already, older, massively beat up, teams can't really bring him in to to test him. I mean, there's just, there's not a lot here. Now, on the flip side, is he the starter for the Patriots? There's almost no doubt. I mean, he doesn't have to be. And if he starts off this season as bad as he started off last season, which he didn't play very much, but it was about as bad as Cam has ever been, and granted, the, the Panthers are just in complete disarray. But, I mean, it's, it's not getting... Would you be quiet? I hate... I hate my alarm clock. It's the sound of death. 
He's not getting a bunch over in, in New England. I don't know if you've noticed. First of all, they've never really had an elite team. I mean, you know, they had Gronk, and uh, at different times they had certain pieces. But I don't know if they've ever really had a team where you just sit back and go, dude, they are just stacked everywhere. The offensive line is decent, not elite by any stretch. I mean, it's not Eagles, Patriots, or <laughs> Patriots, my goodness. It's not Eagles. What was I trying to say? Cowboys. There was a team. I literally saw their logo, and I said Patriots, and now it's just gone from my memory. Saints. They don't have that. They have one of the worst wide receivers slash tight end groups in all of football. And the one saving grace that they had, which was the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady hybrid on the offense, which was able to distribute this offensive system despite having no weapons, but the real strength being their defense, which was one of the top... I mean, depending on how you looked at it, it it was the top defense in football. It was not via PFF, but I think... I don't know what it was. They, they They were at least a top five defense, no question elite, especially their DBs. Just ridiculous. But a lot of these guys are leaving. I mean, half of the Miami Dolphins and Detroit Lions teams are departed Patriots. So Cam is going over there, and everybody's thought process is, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but everybody's thought process is, oh, here we go. This elite team now is being headed up by one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I'm looking at it as this is a broken down, overrated quarterback going to a team that does not have guys like Kelvin Benjamin, who, although maybe not super elite, probably way better than just about anybody that the Patriots have. I know Kelvin hasn't been there for a while, but I'm just saying. These, these, you know, Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey. They've had some elite weapons. Cam Newton has had some elite weapons. Even Funchess is probably better than just about anyone the Patriots have these days. So I, I just, I don't think it's going to work. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I've, I've doubted the Patriots every year for the last... I feel like 10 years, and they find a way. But as much as I think uh, Brady is overrated in terms of his ability to make great throws, right? He's sort of the anti-Roger. Rogers is great because of what he can do with his arm and with his body and just contort it and do all this crazy stuff. But Brady is is the ultimate system quarterback. And I know that sounds offensive to some people, but it, it really shouldn't be. They have a way of doing business in New England, and he has just perfected it. He understands exactly who is going where, reading the defense, looking at all these different things, and he says, this guy's going to be open. He knows he's going to be open. He anticipates it. He throws a perfect ball eight yards down the, the field, and it's just, there you go. One other little tidbit I noticed about Cam, the massive difference between pressure and no pressure. If they're going to have any success with Cam, assuming he's the starting quarterback, it's going to be because that offensive line holds up and gives him a lot of time. When when he's not under pressure, he is a very good quarterback. When he's under pressure, he's absolute garbage. I don't know that to be a theme with him, but just looking at his grades split between uh, pressure and no pressure, I mean, most are better with no pressure, but I'm talking about borderline elite with no pressure, absolute dog waste uh, under pressure, which I I wouldn't expect, but that's just the situation. Anyways, I already talked about that more than I wanted to. Also, uh, the Patriots for their whole recording of the Bengals thing, which was kind of a long time ago, if you remember, they were, they got caught recording, and they're like, no, 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 it's, it's not us, there's some film crew that wants to do this thing, it's not even related, it's not a part of our organization, they're just recording it for some TV show, well, whatever, there's always an excuse for why the Patriots shouldn't be in trouble, they lost a third round pick, and I think $1.1 million, I should have, I have notes, but I just don't feel like pulling them up, I'm trying to run through this as quick as possible, I do want to look really quickly, though, 
J.J. Leahy uh, pointed out to me yesterday, prior to this news, that the Patriots were pretty stacked with picks. Um, but now that they lost their third-round pick, here's the thing. They're, they do have a decent amount of picks. Even with their third, they would have had nine picks, but they're very backloaded. So they had a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then they had three sixths and a seventh. Basically, the only additional picks that they had for 2021 is a Jets sixth-round pick and a Cowboys sixth-round pick. Now that they lost a third, this is a subpar. We can actually look at the power ranking. And this, obviously, we don't even know where they're going to be. But, I mean, they have, just based on this and where they're projected to be, which is probably way too high anyways, they've got, like, the 22nd best. But even if they end up being, like, a, a top 10 pick, it's not going to be that great because, again, one first, one second. I mean, just look at the Jaguars. They got a first, a second, I mean, two firsts, a second, a third, two fourths, a fifth, sixth, seventh. Dolphins, two firsts, two seconds. So, yeah, I'm not worried about the Patriots. I think they're going to have a, I don't know, they're, they're in for a long, a long haul here. Best case scenario for the Patriots is it just does not work out with Cam Newton, and they end up winning two games, and uh, even that's not, they have to go, they have to go like Ofer to get Trevor Lawrence. That 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 top of the the draft board next year is going to be competitive. Some bad and crumbling teams out there. Washington Redskins just yuck. Jaguars are garbage. Although Minshew will probably pull out a couple. Anyways, let's get to the meat of this because I got to get rocking. And I want it to be like a big surprise, but I'm guessing my description, my title is going to pretty much give it away. Here's the situation. The question is: Will Zadarius Smith regress? The answer that I'm going to give is there's almost zero chance he doesn't regress. Almost zero. And here's why, and I'll, I'll back it up. Bottom line, Zadarius Smith last year had one of the best seasons any pass rusher has ever. I, I mean, that's there's it's maybe overstating it a bit. Most great pass rushers maybe have one of those kinds of years. That's probably the better way to say it. If you're a, an elite pass rusher, you've got one of those seasons. If Zadarius continues at the level he played at last year, he has to be put into the... I mean, I'm, I'm talking if he does, let's say, three more years like that, he has to be in one of the best pass rushers of all time conversation. I'm talking better than Khalil Mack. Pick any pass rusher, and I, I'm telling you, if he, if he has like three more years at that level, he's better than them. And so when I say he's going to regress, it's not based on I, I don't think he's that good. It's based on... The fact that, that maybe you're just not appreciating how good that season was. It's 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 not uncharted territory, but it's it's nearly unsustainable. And so what I want to do is, first of all, look at what Zadarius Smith did just in terms of pressures, because that's his number one job. That's the only thing anyone cares about. We could talk about run defense, I mean, coverage if you want to, which he did probably like four times. No, the bottom line is his job is to get to the quarterback. Now, sacks are a little bit too fleeting. My absolute favorite thing for an edge rusher is pressure percentage. When your job is to line up and get to the quarterback, what percentage of the time are you getting to the quarterback? So he had 93 total pressures, which is a really, really, really high number. There are elite pass rushers in the NFL today that have never seen 93 pressures ever. Beyond that, as a percentage, it was 17.13%. That is a that is an elite number, elite elite. Again, really really good um, pass rushers. Some of them have never seen that high. Others have seen it maybe once, and and have never been back since. For example, Jadavian Clowney, who I think is is uh, in my opinion overrated. 
I think he's been a massive disappointment. He's a good football player, but coming out of college, he was supposed to be ridiculous. I mean, basically what we're seeing from Nick Bosa is what we thought we would see from Clowney. Clowney came in, he had a not great rookie year. He was injured. Uh, It took him a while to kind of find his thing. And then it was like, well, he's great against the run, but not great as a pass rusher. And now it's kind of seen as though, well, he's this elite pass rusher like all the rest. At his peak, Jadavian Clowney got to about 12% as a pass rush prospect. That's that's decent, but it's not elite. That's that's like Preston Smith. Um, Kenny gets that just about every year. Mike Daniels got that just about every year. Really elite pass rushers, when they're not having elite years, they get down to about 12%. Clowney peaked at 12%. Again, for those that don't know, 10% is the the baseline. If you're below 10%, this this is counts for defensive tackles and edge rushers in my estimation, in, in my opinion. If you're below 10%, you're just not very good. If you're at 10%, okay, you're not bad, but that's fine. You know, it's it's acceptable. You get up to about 12 to 13%. Now you're, you're good. You're not elite, but you're good. Right? Again, Kenny Clark, uh, Mike Daniels, Preston Smith, uh, Zadarius prior to this season, prior to the 2019 season. All right, it's just, it's good. It's There's nothing wrong with 12%, but it's it's not elite. So Clowney has never even had that one elite year, and it, it could still come. I'm just saying. So while he's floating around there looking to be the highest paid pass rusher and all this nonsense, a big part of the reason, similar to Cam Newton, where we're talking about all these excuses why, well, there must be something going on here and there or whatever. The bottom line is he's overestimating himself. The, the stats are pretty straightforward. He's given the same job as Zadarius and Chandler Jones and Miles Garrett and Demarcus Lawrence and Nick Bosa and Von Miller and and uh, Daniil Hunter. He's given the same job. I want you on this play to go get the quarterback, and he's not doing it at the same level as most of these really top tier. I'm not even saying he's bad. I just want to put into perspective Zadarius this past year compared to Clowney ever. Zadarius is miles ahead. Chandler Jones, his best year was in 2017. He had 76 pressure. His peak was also 12%. Chandler Jones is seen as one of the the elite players. He's still got, and he does. He's still very, very talented. But again, as a percentage, he gets to the quarterback at his best at 12%. Miles Garrett, smaller sample size, young, seen as one of the best young pass rushers in the NFL. His best year was 67 pressures, and he got to 15%. And 15%, by the way, was in 2019, which is an abbreviated season usually you discard those. But I'll give him the 15% just to say, and if we split this up, his best season, his best full season with pressures was 67 compared to Zadarius's 93. His highest as a percentage was this about a half a season, and he got to 15% compared to Zadarius's 17.3. So again, Miles Garrett, seen as one of the best young pass rushers in football, even breaking up individually the pressures and, and, uh, pressure percentage and combining them. You can't put together, you can't stitch together a season as good as Zadarius had. Not even close. That's not close. If you look at Demarcus Lawrence, another one of the greats, 79 pressures was his highest. That year he had 17.4%, which is slightly higher than Zadarius had. But again, best season he ever had. Ever since that season, his highest, 12.9. Demarcus Lawrence is a great pass rusher. There's nothing wrong with Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not saying he or Miles Garrett or Chandler Jones or Jadavian Clowney are bad pass rushers. Clowney may be a little overrated, but I'm not saying they're bad. That's the point. I'm not saying Zadarius is bad. I'm saying even guys like Demarcus, when they get that one season, that one elite season, finally that breakout, 17.4%, ever since that year, and it's been two to three years, I think, uh, 12.9 was his best 
of the next three years. Khalil Mack, the most pressures he ever got in a season. Khalil Mack, probably if you were to ask who is the best pass rusher in football, like like if you took best career pass rusher in football, who's had the best career? Most would probably say Khalil Mack. I think that's incorrect. I don't think Khalil Mack has had the best career. I'll get to who I think that is. I've said it in the past. I'm going to say it again, and this will help back me up because he's the only one that's been able to take the success that Zedarius has had and, and maintain it over several years. But anyways... Khalil Mack is not that guy, but 98 pressures was his best ever, marginally better than Zadarius just had. So in other words, Zadarius Smith at 93 pressures is about the best Khalil Mack has ever done. The highest Khalil Mack has ever gotten since that point is 79 pressures. His highest pressure percentage ever was 17%. Zadarius Smith beat that. His highest since 14.8. Khalil Mack we're talking about. In the last three years, 14.8 is the highest he's ever gotten. 17 was his peak. So I think it's safe to say this last season for Zadarius Smith, statistically, looking at pressure, your ability to get to the quarterback, is is arguably a better season than Khalil Mack has ever, ever, ever had. Again, let it sink in a little bit. Daniil Hunter, another prime regression candidate, although he's very young, so as far as the ability to potentially continue this, um, it's there, but it's it's unlikely. 2019 was by far his best year, 97 pressures, so slightly higher than Zadarius Smith, but his pressure percentage was 15.7 compared to Zadarius' 17. Prior to this, he was a 12 to 13% guy. So more than likely, he's going to go back to that 12 to 13%, as is likely Zadarius Smith, just saying. See, Vikings, Lions, Bears fans listening, and whatever other team listening, Everybody's conflicted, even Packer fans. On one hand, Packer fans want to cheer how great Zadarius was. On the other hand, they don't want to hear he's going to regress. It's the exact opposite for everybody else. People are If a Bears fan hears me say that Zadarius is having a better season than Khalil Mack ever had, despite their complete inability to uh, dispute it, which, of course, well, nobody would agree with you. And Have you ever watched Khalil? Because, again, that's everybody's favorite thing. I don't need statistics. I'm an elite scout and I have watched him diligently, and I know for a fact, despite the fact that I never really watched Zadarius, other than when he was smashing Trubisky's face into the dirt, because that's what everybody's favorite get-out-of-jail-free card is. Well, you're just dumb. You don't know. <laughs> Prove it, genius. Joey Bosa, another great candidate. His best year was 16%, and that was his rookie year. He's been going downhill since. The only two other guys really worth talking about that, that are real scary. Number one is Nick Bosa. You want to talk about an elite, elite player. And maybe he's going to completely fall off and it just so happened to be his rookie year, but check this out. Listen to what, I mean, remember what I said about all these other elite players. Nick Bosa in his first year, 102 pressures. More than Zadarius in his best year, Clowney, Chandler, Miles Garrett, Demarcus Lawrence, his brother, Hunter, Khalil. Uh, the only guy I found that was higher is the, the, the guy that I think is the best pass rusher in football. Maybe not today, but you talk about career to this guy but 102 pressures in his rookie year 17.1 percent slightly lower than Zedarius but that's his rookie year this guy is ridiculous probably best rookie year I mean I I can't say in history because I don't know there's a lot of other great pass rushers but in terms of today's game Nick Bosa is the scariest pass rusher in football right now in my opinion we got I'm hoping he falls off really hoping but that leads me to the the only other guy that's really been able to not only have Okay, let's without saying his name, some of you already know it. 105 pressures was his best. That was the best I found of anybody. That was in 2015. As a pass rush percentage, he hit 18%. That was also in 2015, I believe. Higher than I've, I've seen anybody hit. 
Now, I think if you go defensive tackle, which I didn't do, you look at Aaron Donald, he's done ridiculous. I think he's passed 18%. Just ridiculous stuff he's done. I mean, in terms of best pass rusher, it might be a defensive tackle by the name of Aaron Donald. I'm not even kidding about that. However, although he has regressed since 2015 and prior to 2015, that was his peak. Since then, 83 pressures was his highest, which is still very high, higher than some of these. So his 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 second highest is still higher than Chandler has ever gotten, Miles has ever gotten, Demarcus has ever gotten, uh, Khalil has ever gotten, and he has maintained every year a 16 to 17 percent pressure percentage. 16 to 17 percent. Remember, 17 percent is most guys' peak. He peaked at 18 and has maintained a 16 to 17% every single year. He has been elite every year of his career as far as PFF grade. Probably one of the most underrated players in all of football. Not that anyone doesn't think he's great, but nobody wants to put him in the same conversation as some of these other guys, especially Khalil Mack, and I think he is. He is better than Khalil. I think he's had a better career than Khalil, and that's Von Miller. Von Miller is a freak. He doesn't get nearly the amount of respect he's due. Statistically speaking, Von Miller is the best pass rusher in in modern day football. Now, does that mean I would put my money on him in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? I'd probably go uh, Nick Bosa. I'm gonna roll the dice on that one. But but understand what I'm saying. It's it's it would be again if if Zadarius is able to maintain it, and and I think a lot of people are banking on on Zedarius being able to maintain it, and we've got one of the better pass rushers in football. No, we had one of the best pass rush performances in football in 2019. And then again, that doesn't mean he's going to be bad, but the ability to get 93 pressures, 17.13 percent pressure rate, pressure percentage, is um, somewhat unheard of. And again, if you want to believe he's going to be able to to replicate it, fine. You're just believing that he is he is one of the best pass rushers. He's he's better than Clowney and, and Miles Garrett and Demarcus Lawrence and Joey Bosa and, and Daniil Hunter and uh, Khalil Mack. I'm sure there's some other guys that I'm I'm missing. I just went through the list and tried to find who I think are some of the best. Or at least some of the guys that people would say are the best. I knew Clowney wouldn't have good numbers, but I, I'm sure a lot of people would have complained if I didn't add Clowney to the list. Because he's seen as one of the better pass rushers. So is Zadarius Smith going to regress? That's one of the easiest questions I can answer. It's very similar to what I said about the Chicago Bears, and I'm not even talking about the whole defense. I think the defense could easily get better. I think Rashawn is going to get better. I think uh, Darnell Savage could easily get better. I actually think there's something real special going on with with uh, Kevin King and Jair. We, we got to see. I don't know. I mean, Jair is, is, as much as I've been dogging Kevin King, I wouldn't be surprised if he surpasses Jair. Jair, for two years, has been pretty stagnant. He's good, not great. I know, again, that's going to upset a lot of people. Fine, he's great. Whatever he is, he's been there for two years. He didn't really take a step in year two. He was the same guy, right? Flashes of brilliance, but also times where you look at it and go, dude, what are you doing? Kevin kind of came into his own. Granted, a small sample size could easily regress and be complete garbage next year, but they both have massive upside, and neither of them have really come into their own to, to, to embrace that elite level cornerback play and I feel like Kevin King was was playing with it a little bit toward the end he hasn't really had a lot of time on the field he hasn't really been healthy for any real long stretch of time he hasn't really spent a lot of time with with uh with Petten maybe it's starting to come together I don't know I, I hope so I really hope so but in terms of of, of Zadarius it, it's it's almost impossible to replicate this man and again if he does this for two three more years I mean this is he's one of the best pass rushers in history I mean, just doing it once, you, you have to look at it and say he at least had a better season than guys like Khalil have ever had, which is just disgusting. 
So we need to do a better job of appreciating how good it was, but also recognizing that it's nearly impossible to replicate. Even the best of the best of the best, like Von Miller, have not really replicated what Zadarius Smith did. Pretty close. He hovers just below, but one of the best pass rushers of all time, elite, since his rookie season all the way through, he's had one of the only guys I've ever seen who's had elite grades just about every year of his career. Even he is not hitting that point on a consistent basis. He's done it like once. I mean, far surpassed it and has dabbled with it, you know, a couple times. But, um, you know, we got to be, we got to look at this correctly. And it's fair to say the the Packers are in a prime spot because they got a lot of really young guys that are starting. So there's a lot of guys that could and should and might take leaps and help out this team. But as far as who's going to regress, the easiest answer, absolute easiest, is Zadarius. I mean, Preston in terms of sacks, maybe. But outside of sacks, Preston was kind of an average pass rusher anyways. So um, I expect those those sack numbers to come down. But actually, everything else I would actually kind of hope would go up in terms of his ability against the run, which was a real strength for him coming in, was not that great with the Green Bay Packers. Um, Overall, just grades and stats, it was just kind of meh. But sacks, super on point. (laughs) So, again, I I tried to soften the blow as best as I possibly could, but you got to come to the the reality of this. And maybe you already knew that, but he's not going to replicate that. It's not going to happen again. The good news is he is a very good pass rusher, meaning he won't completely fall off. But if we just look, and I, and I know it's a breakout, and they were anticipating a breakout, and that's cool, but if we just look at Zadarius Smith's grades since 2015, 58, 54, 60, 69, 89.7. Last year, and this is why I said I don't even think Gutekunst anticipated him being this good. Last year, when they the, the performance they watched, see, and now they got different numbers here. Wait a minute, I just looked at this yesterday. Oh, it includes postseason, never mind. I was going to say, he's got 105 pressures. I won't include that because I'm sure some of these guys didn't make the postseason, but 105 pressures. He didn't have one against San Francisco, which is sad. However, tied for his best performance in terms of pressures was Seattle. He got 12 additional pressures, which is ridiculous, on top of two sacks. Not on top of, but including in that is two sacks. Anyways, uh, 2018, and he did have less snaps because he was a rotational guy. He had 61 pressures. He did have 10 sacks, so still a pretty high sack number. 18 is what he was credited with by PFF. I know they have different numbers, but I actually like PFF's numbers better. I don't like half sacks. I think that's dumb. You got a sack, you should be credited for it. You shouldn't get half off because the other guy got there too. But his pressure percentage in 2018, so when he was on the field, how often did he get to the quarterback? 12.5, 12.6-ish percent, which, you know, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And if he can get to 12.5-13%, he's still in elite company. Because that's what most of these guys are doing. That's what Khalil's doing. He's doing 13%. 13.5-ish. That's what Clowney's doing. That's what a lot of these guys are doing. And they're out there still terrorizing quarterbacks. But is he going to regress 100,000%? Actually, it's it's not that. It's it's 98, I'll say. And again, if he does, oh my goodness. Brian Gutekunst is already a genius just for being able to anticipate this. If he continues this, this is, I mean... This is on par with, with getting some of the greatest free agent. I mean, this is this is Reggie White, except it's almost better because Reggie White, you knew who Reggie White was when you paid for him. This is anticipating someone becoming Reggie White and then paying them before they become that. It just, it's, it's beyond crazy. But anyways, I think I've made my point several times now. Including the postseason, Zadarius Smith, 105 pressures, 18 sacks. And, and actually, I probably should include it because if you look at, I was looking at... Uh, 
total season, some of these guys like Vaughn, let me just check now. That might have been including postseason. Anyways, let's finish the stats. 105 pressures, 18 sacks, 24 hits, 63 hurries. Yeah, Von Miller's... Um, now, the pressure percentage stays probably relatively the same, but of that 105, you got to deduct, let's see, 16. So you got to deduct 23 from 105. That leaves him with 82. So Von Miller, well, no, in 2012, actually, had 93 pressures. So Von Miller, in his best year in terms of pressure numbers in the regular season, tides at areas. That's, it's just ridiculous. And then the same is true with Nick Bosa. He had 102, but that includes the postseason. So regular season, he had 80 pressures. So I found one guy, I think, that tides at areas, and that's Von Miller in his entire career. That's just, it's just sick. It's just sick. I really got to go, but I'm just, I got to find somebody who did better than, than Zedarius. Actually, Daniil did, didn't he? Let me, let me just check, because that might be postseason too. Yeah, that was postseason. With, with regular season, Daniil had 88. In 2018, the highest number, D Ford with 78. Zedarius had 93. The highest the entire year at last, two years ago, was 78. Oh, 2017, it was Vaughn with 83. Here we go. Oh, Khalil, how did I miss Khalil? I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Khalil Mack in 2016, probably I was just looking at his percentage. In 2016, Khalil Mack had 96. And actually, if you look at the percentage, so if you, it changes if you look at regular season. But he had a 17.6 percentage. So actually, this was a better year by Khalil Mack in 2016. Hasn't been this good since, though. 2015, 84. Got to go back to 2010 with Tamba Hali, 97 pressures. 17.8. I forgot about Tamba Hali. That dude was a beast. So far, Tom Bahali's got it. 17.8%, 97 pressures. That's crazy. As a percentage, it's not the highest. Remember, Vaughn still had 18-ish, but we're looking at pressure numbers. So right now, Zedarius is third, going back to 2010, behind Tom Bahali and Khalil Mack. That's it. That's, I think, uh, let's see, 2006 is, is as far as PFF goes. In PFF history, going back to 2006, so we're talking, what, 14 years Tom Bahali in 2010 and I think Khalil in 2016 are the only two that have had higher pressure numbers ever. Regular season numbers. Third highest in, in PFF history in the last 14, we'll call it 15 years. Probably safe to say nobody in, nobody in 2005 or whatever beat him out. It's crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Anyways, I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.